1950s. And um, we're going to, we still have two weeks left in that series on Easter Sunday and the Sunday following, so I'm just going to depart from that for one week this week, and I'm going to preach to you out of something that's been on my heart and certainly that God has certainly been doing in my life. Um, but before I do that, let me just mention a couple of things. Still on the, out, on the back of your outline there, on the back of your message outline, we're reading through the Gospel of Luke, so don't forget that, right? Uh, many of you have been reading through us little bite-sized passages all the way through Lent with the goal of at the very end of this season, to have read through the entire Gospel of Luke together. So I hope you'll keep reading, especially during this Holy Week. And then also, um, this, is, this is Holy Week that leads to Easter Sunday. I was meeting with this team of folks who lead you in worship before we began today, and I said there's a reason it's called Holy Week. I mean, on this week that Jesus was moving towards the cross and the tomb, uh, it was the Passover week for the Jewish nation, but it was the holiest of weeks for us. And my prayer is that during this Holy Week, that it would be more than just a regular week for you, that on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you'd be thinking about what Jesus was doing. You'd be thinking about what was happening to Him during that week. If you're already a part of our e-newsletter, you're already going to get a devotional. That'll, that'll help. That'll, that'll already kind of tie you in. So I hope you are already plugged into that. If not, go to our website and subscribe to our e-newsletter. But also those little bite-sized scriptures as you're reading through the Gospel of Luke there will help you stay plugged in and really make this more than just a, a passion week. Hopefully it will be a holy week for you. Oh, last thought, and then we're going to uh, study the Bible together. Hopefully you have your outlines and your pens ready to go. I'm going to be invite you to underline some things, circle some things, fill in the blanks today, together today. Next Sunday's Easter, and I just always want to remind you that folks are wide open, much more open to coming to church at Easter and at Christmas. So if you have family members, if you have coworkers, if you have next-door neighbors, that, you, uh, that you've been thinking of, that God's put on your heart, now would be a great time. Invite them to come to worship next Easter. It's going to be an awesome Sunday of worship, and you'll be glad you did. And I believe God might do something pretty awesome and eternal in their lives. So don't miss out on that opportunity. Now, so today is our day to do a little bit of kitchen talk, right? And we've shared some news that God is calling me to another place, and he's calling another pastor to be your pastor. It's not easy stuff to hear. And I've, and I've been there before. By the way, we're testing a new microphone this morning, so that's why we got a little bit of that crackling going on, all right? It may or may not work. Um, what I want to ask you to, to do over the next few minutes, it's a little bit hard, especially for those of you who've been longtime Harvest Pointers, all right? I'm going to ask you to kind of, um, uh, kind of tune in your ears now. I believe God has a very specific word for you today. And if you're kind of caught up with the news or you're kind of emotively captured, you won't really, you'll kind of miss, you have an opportunity to miss what I think God's calling and speaking over us in this day. Several weeks ago, I knew that I would preach today's message because of what God was doing in my heart. And so what I'm going to preach to you about today is very personal for me, very personal. But oftentimes what God is doing in me, He starts telling me, hey, bring that to the church. Teach that to the church. Offer that to them. And so that's exactly what I'm going to be doing today. So I want to tell you about something that happened a few weeks ago. Um, but let me start with a little caveat. I know that I'm your pastor, and sometimes I say things like, I've heard God say, 
or I heard the voice of God, or God told me this or that. And for some of you guys, that may seem very foreign to you. You might go, I don't know that I hear God like that. You know, oh, pastor, he's super mystical or spiritual or something, okay? Can I just, I want to confess something to you. Um, okay, I, I do believe I hear, not audibly, I hear God speak to me and whisper to me. I think many of you have, have those same kind of moments where you feel like God's leading you or, or speaking to you. But can I also say that I, all, I don't really consider myself a super kind of spiritualistic, mystical type person. I mean, there are some people I come across sometimes, they say, this happened and that happened, you know. You ever heard those stories about, and I went to the mailbox and in the mailbox was this and I'm like, that never happens to me. When I go to the mail, it's always bills. I mean, it's, it's, it's bills and junk mail. I don't ever get that. Guy. So anyway, I'm not your kind of super spiritualistic, mystical kind of guy. But I want to tell you a kind of super spiritualistic, mystical kind of moment that I had a few weeks ago that was out of the norm for me. But sometimes when you're out of the norm like that, I mean, I think God does it because he wants to say, he kind of point, wants to put an exclamation point on it and say, just in case you're, you, you're a little bit clued out here, this is me. I'm doing this. I've got something for you on the radar. I was sitting at my desk a few weeks ago, and um, I had just come out of a meeting in the office next door, which is our office administrator's office. And um, as is often the case, um, people drop stuff off at the church in the office administrator's office, okay? And, and so they think, well, I'm going to take something to the church, and they just leave it in their office, okay? And that's BJ and Mimi's office. They just leave stuff in there, to which they often come to me and say, who left this? What is this? What? You know? And so somebody had done that. Somebody had dropped off a box of books, Gretchen Conus, and dropped off a box of books in the church administrator's office, okay? And, and I'm sitting in there in a meeting, and I look over, and I say, what is that? And, and BJ, my office administrator, said, I don't know. Somebody dropped something off in my office again. And I was like, oh, that's neat. And I looked over there. There's a bunch of books, you know. And I thought, well, that's cool that somebody actually brought books to go into our church library. We have a church library that's always here for you to grow deeper, and you can borrow books from it all you want, okay? So I go back to my office. I'm sitting down in my office. I'm ready to get my workday started. And I have this moment. And God tells me to get up and go back in that office because there's something in that box for me. That kind of thing doesn't happen to me. So I stood up, and it was as if the Holy Spirit prompted me back to a book I had read years ago, but I haven't read in forever. And a question came across my mind when I stood up to go get whatever was in that box that God has for me. And the question in my mind came across as this. I wonder if the prayer of Jabez, which is a little small book, I wonder if the prayer of Jabez is in that box. Now, I got to tell you, um, I stopped right there and didn't even move towards the other office when I thought to myself, Where'd that come from? What? That's what? That was like out of nowhere. I knew. I knew that the Holy Spirit had prompted me with a thought. So I went next door, and BJ had left out of her office. There was nobody in her office, and I just sat down in the chair by the box. And I thought to myself two thoughts. I thought, number one, I wonder what God has in that box for me. 
But the number two thought I had was, is there any chance that that little small book called The Prayer of Jabez is going to be in that box? So I just began to pull a, a book out, and I'd look at it and think to myself, is this interesting to me? Might God want me to look and study this? But every time I looked at the book I was taking out, you want to know what I was really looking for? <laughs> the book underneath it. I was going to see is the prayer of Jabez in this box. I pulled one book out. I looked at it, put it aside. Another book out. I looked at it, put it aside. Another book out. And after about the 15th, the 20th book, I pulled a book out and I could see two books deeper the color of the book called The Prayer of Jabez. I knew it's a tan color. I had read this book years ago. And I reached down and moved the book back. And there The Prayer of Jabez was sitting there. Now, can I tell you, I just want to tell you, you may not even know what this book's about, but I feel like God's called me to preach a message that's at the heart of this book today, the prayer of Jabez. But can I just tell you before I do that, what I felt like God was saying to me wasn't, hey, this is something I want you to think on, read on today, study for a week. I felt like God was saying to me, in this next season of your ministry, which is more than a, a week or more than a month, it's months, this is where I want you to be. So what is the prayer of Jabez? Uh, I imagine some of us have read the prayer of Jabez and some of us probably have not read the prayer of Jabez, right? The prayer of Jabez is a book that came out probably three decades ago now, written by a guy named Bruce Wilkinson. But the truth of the matter is, it's actually a book that was written on a small prayer offered in the Bible. That prayer is found in 1 Chronicles chapter 4. And I put it right there at the very top of your outline today. You got that outline? You might want to take that out for a minute. So the prayer of Jabez is a prayer offered by a guy named Jabez or Jabez. And let me tell you kind of how this happens. In the first uh, four chapters, all of a sudden we get this little prayer. But what you need to understand is in the first nine chapters of the book of 1 Chronicles, it's some of the most boring reading you'll ever read in your whole life, okay? It is one of those genealogy places. You ever read the Bible before and it was somebody begat somebody begat somebody and, and there are names you can't pronounce and you're wondering why are these even in the Bible? In the first nine chapters of the book of Chronicles, First Chronicles, the writer of Chronicles wants to document every family that was, that was a part of the lineage from Abraham all the way to the present day and it's about 500 B.C. when First Chronicles. There's more than 500 names in the first nine chapters alone. But in the middle of all those names, all that genealogy, in the middle of all those names, there, it's as if the writer is writing name after name after name after name of every family that's going from Abraham all the way down through the line, the Jewish line, all the way to present day. But when he gets to a guy named Jabez or Jabez, he has to stop. He doesn't give a bio to anybody else, but with Jabez... He gives a short little bio, and it's actually a prayer. I'll read it with you. It says this about Jabez. This is, this is all that you'll ever know. You could study the Bible front to back. This is all you're going to ever learn about Jabez. The writer of the book of 1 Chronicles stops and says, this is noteworthy. I want you to know it. 
It says in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 10, And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. If you have your Bible, I invite you to turn in that place. I didn't quite put the full thing there, but that's pretty much all, all that it is. If you have your pen in front of you, can I just get you to underline a few phrases that are right there? Because I consider Jabez's prayer a four-part prayer. We're going to put it back up there. It says, oh, that you would underline those th- last three words there. Bless me indeed. Oh, that you would bless me indeed. Underline those three words. And then the next phrase is this, and enlarge my territory. Underline those three words. Enlarge my territory. That's the prayer that Jabez was praying. Enlarge my territory. The third prayer is that your hand would be on me, that your hand would be with me. Your hand would be with me. Those six words, your hand would be with me. And then that last one, and that you would keep me from evil. Just underline those four words. Keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. This is my devotional right now. And this is my devotional for tomorrow and the next day. And it will be that way in April and May and in June. I will be studying the Scripture. I will be reading more about the Scripture. I will be praying this prayer. And it's a prayer that I am strongly challenging you to pray with me during this season in the life of our church. So real quickly, let me tell you how easy this prayer is to remember. You can, you can say it and you can leave church today and you'll have memorized it, okay? So watch me. I'll say it. You repeat after me. Bless me indeed. Enlarge my territory. Place your hand upon me. Keep me from evil. That's what I want to talk to you about today. Because I believe the prayer of Jabez is a powerful prayer. I know God's called me towards it, and I wonder if He's calling you towards it right now as well. So let's focus on that first part. The first part is simply this, where it says, bless me indeed. Jabez said, oh, 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 please, that you would bless me indeed. What he's saying is, I want your favor, I want your honor, I want your, I want your blessing over my life. Now, by the way, the word bless... That word in the Hebrew form, just in the Old Testament alone, either blessing or to bless is used more than 400 times in the Old Testament alone. God is all about blessing, but here is the deal. For some reason, a lot of people have got this messed up view of God, and they don't know whether God really wants to bless them or not. It's like God blesses other people, but I don't know that God wants to bless me. And so, so many people live their life not even doing the Jabez first ask, oh God, I want your blessing. I want your blessing on my family. I want your blessing on my church. I want your favor in my life. I want, I want you to bless me. Matter of fact, write this in number one. God wants to bless me and to give me favor. Do you really believe that? God wants to bless me and to give me favor. That's what blessing is all about. Let me just pause for a minute. If you're really going to get this, I've got to make this very applicable. I, I want to I get you to get the picture of a father or a mother who longs to bless their children. Okay? Dwayne, would you step up here for a second? Oscar in the house? 
Oscar's going to the bathroom, evidently. Okay. Are we still serving donuts in the lobby? I didn't know that. All right. So here's what, before he gets in here, I just want to ask you. So y'all may not know, this is Dwayne Smith. This is the dad of the guy who leads us in worship every Sunday, Oscar, okay? Yeah, there you are. See, see, this is a hooky. This is what happens when you play hooky, man. Look, donuts, you see? You see? Come here, come here. Slide over that way. All right, so over here, if you will. It's nice that y'all dress alike. All right, so... um. This is crazy. Now, see, what I want you to understand, this is dad. This is son. Now, if you really understand the heart of God, any dad, any mom in this room would know that this dad wants the best for his son. He, <laughs> he wants to bless him. He wants to see him succeed and have great favor. He wants his son to thrive. He wants his son's family to thrive. That's who this guy is. That's what it means to be a dad. That's what it means to be a mom. To want your, that's what it means to be a grandma and granddad. You want your child to thrive and, just, and to just have great favor. Now, in the Old Testament, there was this thing where fathers would lay their hands on their sons and they would bless them and they would bless their line but oftentimes what would happen is a son would need to come and ask for that blessing. And so this son would come to his dad. Now picture this, dad's mom's in the room. A son come to his dad and say, Dad, can I ask you to bless me? Can you imagine the dad like, what would you say? What would you say if your son or your daughter came to you and said, can I ask you to bless me? You'd like, what does that mean exactly, you know? What are you asking me? This happened to one of my friends. His son came to him and said, Dad, I want your blessing on my life. And he said he, did it. And he, said he didn't hardly know what to do at first, but then he realized when his son got on his knees right in front of his recliner, he laid his hands on his son. He began to just pray over him and speak favor and blessing on his son. See, every heart of a father or a mother wants to bless the child. But somehow we get this mixed up with God. And we just we forget the heart of a God who is a good God. He's a God of blessing. He's a God of favor. Listen. He wants to bless you. He wants to pour His honor and His favor into your life. He wants to give you His blessing. It's, that doesn't change. It's not conditional. It's who He is in His nature. And you know what Jab Jabez figured out? Jabez figured out that he could go ask it of God. Just like you could ask it of a natural father and that the father would lay his hands on his son. Jabez went to God. And it was even recorded in the book of 2 Chronicles. And how they knew that prayer, I'm not exactly sure. He must have prayed it all the time. But the son went to the father. And he said, oh, that you would bless me indeed. Jabez was asking for the blessing of his father. Well, thank you for coming back from your donuts. And thank you for being our illustration. I'll, I'll let you grab a seat, but you might want to do that.
See, what does that mean for this church? What does that mean for me right now when God's calling me into a new place? It means He's still God. He's still true. He's still faithful. He's still good. He's bigger than us. He created time. It's an invention of His. He knows the whole story. He's way beyond that. This is who God is. He's not like a an earthly father or mother, he's a perfect parent. He always wants to bless. So what does the Bible say about this? Read it with me in 1 Corinthians 2.9. Eye hasn't seen or ear even heard, nor has even entered the heart of humanity the things that God's prepared for those who love him. God has great blessings that you don't even know about. That The Bible says eyes have not seen, ears have not even heard yet. That's who he is at his nature. So never doubt that God's a good God. And never doubt that, that God is a God of blessing and favor. That's who he is at his core. That's who he longs to be for you and your family. Look at that next one, though. Here's the condition I think sometimes that Jesus was trying to teach us on. Ask, and it will be given to you. Jesus' mantra over and over again was seek and you'll find. If you, if you, for everyone who asks receives and those who seek will find and to those who knock the door will be opened. Jesus said there's a whole world out there that you need to ask for. You need to seek after that you can go after that, that is there but you've got to do the asking. So, so this Jabez guy, guess what he does? He asks. He says, oh God, that you would bless me indeed. Now some people have looked at that and they've gone, no, wait a minute. I mean, is this some kind of prosperity thing? I mean, this guy's after the blessing of God. Why? So you can have some more money, so you can have more cars and houses? No, that's not what's after. Matter of fact, if you want to read the, the verse before what I read, it says, Jabez was an honorable man. So when he asked for blessing, you know what he was asking for? He was asking a blessing over his life so that he could be God's guy in God's world, doing God's work. So what he did was that thing that we oftentimes fail to do, he called, the Bible says, he called on the God of Israel. Oh, that you would bless me indeed. Can I speak to every man in this crowd? This is, this is my journey right now. Can I just invite you to start praying this prayer for your family and for your marriage? Can I speak to every woman here? Can I just pray that you would... I want to ask you, would you pray this prayer over your children, over your marriage, over your home? Oh, that you would bless me indeed. If you're a leader in this church, join me in this prayer and say, God, bless us. We're asking for your blessing and your favor. We want to walk in it, God. We're asking for it. And the Bible says, ask and you shall receive. Guys, the blessing of God is a powerful thing. And so ask for his blessing. That's the start of the Jabez prayer. Oh, that you'd bless me indeed. But look at that next part. The next part says, enlarge my territory. He says, that you would enlarge my territory. By the way, what does that even mean? For some translations, you might not read the word territory. Your translation might, different translations say different things. Some translations say uh, the word borders. Enlarge my borders. Some translations say the coast. So enlarge my coast. But what, what, the, what the word really means is all that I know, all that is presently in my purview, all that I have right now, push it out from there. Enlarge my territory. And here's a word that I like to think of. Enlarge my ministry. Here's another word. 
enlarge my influence. Enlarge my territory. God, he wasn't, he wasn't asking for more stuff. He wasn't asking for more land. What he was saying was, God, let me take over. Let me make a bigger mark. Let me make a bigger difference. Let my life be bigger than it is right now. I want to make a bigger mark for you than I'm already making. Enlarge my territory. Push things out for me. Give me more room to do more for you, God. This is what he's asking. Is it a selfish prayer? Not if he's an honorable man and he's asking for it to make all the difference for God that he can. He's asking God to give him territory that is the enemy's. Lord, give me that territory. I want to push beyond. That's what he's asking for. By the way, what would it look like for this church to say, enlarge our territory, enlarge our borders, enlarge our influence, enlarge our ministry? What would it look like for us to begin to pray that kind of scary, bold, out there, what I call BHAG, big, hairy, audacious goal, a BHAG prayer, right? A big, hairy, audacious goal, enlarge my territory. To me, if families and leaders of the church started praying this prayer, we would actually come into alignment with the Bible. The Bible says in Ephesians 2.10, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. That means that there's stuff out there we've not even made it to yet, and, and he is, he's pushing us into that new place. He's prepared those good works in advance that we would one day, that we should one day walk in those good works. I like to read it this way, Joshua 1, 3, and 9, when Joshua was about to, Joshua was taking over a ministry from Moses. Moses had done great and phenomenal things in front of the eyes of all the people, and God speaks with Joshua and says, I'm about to do a greater and a better thing. I'm moving you into the promised land that I would not let Moses go into. And he says, go and take it. New territory. Look what he says. This is the word of God. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I've given you. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God was telling Joshua, okay, Moses was a great leader, but I'm leading you into a new place. Step into this moment. Lean into this moment and take the new territory that I'm calling you to take. That's what God was saying to Joshua. And, and I love how he was saying, don't be afraid of it. Don't be, don't be fearful. Don't be dismayed. Understand that God's calling you to take new ground for him. Here's a question I have for you. What keeps you from asking for new territory? If you're a business owner, wouldn't that be a good thing for you to say, God, I'm asking for more territory so my business can make a bigger difference for you as I try to lead this business for Christ? What about our church? What about your family? What keeps you? Is it, a, is it a, a mindset of scarcity? Is it a mindset of fear? I think God's plan is for you to take more territory. But you need to ask Him for further territory. We need to ask Him for greater influence and borders as a church. Push us out, God. Give us more. Make us, help us make a bigger mark for you than we've already made. The prayer of Jabez, three things real quickly. Bless me indeed. Enlarge my territory. Now look at this next one, right? This next one, he says, that your hand would be on me. That's the big prayer there. That your hand would be on me. Now, here's what he's saying. I want you to get this. 
When you start praying a big prayer like this, it says, God, bless me and enlarge my territory. And then all of a sudden, God starts blessing you and he starts enlarging your territory. The next thing you're going to realize is the water level ain't here. It's five feet above your head, okay? That you are in deep water. You're having to swim because he's given you more than you thought that he was going to give you. And now you need him. You need him big time. You need to cry out for his hand. And that's where Jabez was. Jabed was, has, was seeing the blessing of God. He was enlarging his territory, and he wanted God's hand on his life. By the way, in the Bible, whenever the Bible talks about the hand of God, it's speaking always about one or two or three things. It's talking about God's power. When the hand of God comes on somebody, it comes with power. Secondly, when the hand of God comes on a group of people, it's presence. Thirdly, when the hand of God, according to the Bible, is ever applied to someone's life, they are given success. Whenever the Bible talks about the hand of God coming on a group of people or an individual's life, it is always about power, presence, or giving them success. Read with me what the Bible says. Oh, by the way, number three, I must cry out for His presence. I must cry out for His presence and His power. Let's read a couple of places where it talked about the hand of God. Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. That's a picture of the power of God's hand in his arm. I like this one. One time Moses doubted God. And listen to what God said back to Moses in, in Numbers 3, eleven twenty three. And the Lord said to Moses, has the Lord's arm been shortened? Now you shall see whether what I shall say will happen or to you or not. God's saying, if I want it to happen, if I said it was going to happen, it's going to happen. I'm not weak. My power's not diminished. His hand was strong and powerful. Look at the next one. Ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified. These are the words of Jesus, that you bear much fruit so that you will be my disciples. What we're talking about here is the fruit of a, of a blessed life. If God blesses you and expands your territory, if you can have God's presence and his hand, his power on your own, his hand on your life, you will begin to bear fruit for the kingdom. In your family, in the church, in the community, in every way, you will see God's blessing and his hand over you. Recently, I was reading the book of Acts, and I was blown away by this. It really doesn't fit with this point, but I just want to throw it out there, okay? It, it, it touched me so deeply. I, I, I wrote it on a little card, and I've kept it in my car since that time. Acts 4.13 when they saw the courage of Peter and John and they realized that they were unschooled, I'll say uneducated. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and they realized they were unschooled, uneducated, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. You see, here's what you need to know. If you spend time with Jesus and around Jesus Guys like that were transformed. Why? Because the power and the presence of Jesus was in their life. I don't know about you, but I so much want the power and the presence of Jesus in this church. I want his power and presence in my marriage. I want his power and presence in my, in my family. I want the power and the presence to be so thick over. Now, what do I have to do again? Jabez was asking. He was asking, asking, asking. Oh, that you would bless me indeed. Oh, that you would enlarge my territory that I can make a bigger mark for you, God. And that your hand would be on me, would rest on me. That your power and your presence would be evident in my life. This is, is, in, this is important. 
but you have to ask for it. Flip that outline over. Last, last one. Here it is. Keep me from evil. Keep me from evil. He added that I might not cause pain. What Jabez was praying here was a prayer that said, God, I don't want to sin. I don't want to be tempted and fall short. I, I want to be holy. I want to be righteous. I need you in order to not stumble. I need you in order to not sin. I need you to protect me and deliver me from evil. Write this one down, number four. The more powerfully God uses me, the more holiness and divine protection I will need. Now, why is that? Because when you start being blessed by God, you start taking territory, new territory, and you start seeing the hand of God be a, a blessing of power and presence over your life. Here's what you need to understand. Anytime you take new territory, you are taking it from somebody else. And as this church begins to expand into greater and newer ter territories to do greater things for God, you're going to be taking territory from an enemy who doesn't like it. And you will become more targeted, not less targeted. The enemy will come after you like a flood. He will come after this church. He will come after your marriage. He will come after you and try to get you to fall, stumble, sin, turn away from God. That's who he is. That's what he will do. You get a bigger target on your back when you start praying the prayer of Jabez. And in that moment, you've got to cry out for God to keep you from sin. God, keep me from unrighteousness. Let me bring this home. Everybody look up at, at me here for a minute. When we were starting this church, I prayed a few simple prayers. They were not very complex prayers. I prayed, God, keep me healthy because I want to build a healthy church and I don't want, I don't want the enemy to rob my marriage. I know long before I'm ever called to be a pastor, I'm called to be a husband, a faithful and true husband and my beautiful wife. I prayed that prayer, God, keep me healthy because I don't want him to destroy this thing that I've been called to first. Another prayer that I prayed was, oh God, let the first staffing hires and let the first people into this church not be let us not see some kind of moral failure, some kind of sinful thing happen, some kind of bloodshed. I mean, haven't you heard the stories? I mean, how many stories have you heard of churches who were trying to do great things for God, but the enemy crept into the camp, sin got into the leadership, people got hurt, pastors fell, all that stuff? Listen, I'm smart enough to know that the enemy, when you try to do new things for God, the enemy's going to come after you like a flood. And listen, you start praying the prayer of Jabez as a leader in this church or as a leader in your family. You start saying, God, I'm going to ask for your blessing. I want, I want you to bless me. Put your favor over my life. I want you to expand my territory. I want to push out. I want, to make, I want more. I want to make more of a difference for you. And no, God, give me your hand. So when people come into contact with me, they say there's something different about that person. They've got power. They've got presence. God's with them. You get that far in the prayer of Jabez and you better know the enemy is going to want to eat your lunch. And what I want to tell you as a pastor is I have to constantly remind myself that if I move into darkness, if I bite into temptation, if I sin, I have a chance to bring all kinds of other people down with me. 
Lord, keep me from sin. Keep me from evil that I might not cause pain. Do you see what Jabez is praying? What a powerful prayer found in 1 Chronicles chapter 4. That every mom would say, God, I want to be a holy mom. Keep me from sin because my life is far bigger than my life. It impacts other lives. That every dad and granddad and grandmom would say, oh God, keep me from sin. Help me walk in holiness. Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray and he said it this way. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This was one of the tenets that Jesus taught us to pray over and over again. He was telling us, pray. Pray that God would deliver you, protect you from the evil one who will come and try to destroy you. He was talking to his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he said, hey, he, was, he said, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit in, is willing, but the flesh is weak. You might want to end with your pen. You might want to circle the word spirit. and might want to circle the word flesh. Here, what, that's what we're talking about here. The battle that rages between your flesh, which is so easily to fall into sin and temptation, and your spirit, which God is calling to live a higher, better kingdom life, a life of holiness, a life of Jesus. That's the, diff- that's the war that's going on here. The spirit and the flesh. And then that last scripture that I put in your outline for today. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in your faith. This is the prayer of Jabez. <laughs> I think that God's speaking this over my world right now. And I just wonder, and I, and I guess my challenge to you is, would you begin to pray this prayer with me? Would you pray this prayer? Hey, four things real quickly. It's very simple. Would you repeat after me? Bless me indeed. Enlarge my territory. Put your hand upon me. And keep me from evil. It's a revolutionizing prayer. It can change your world. But but it's not something you do one time and it's over. For me, I'm going to move into a season where I'm just praying this prayer. Because God's calling me to a new place and the water's going to be really deep. And He's calling Jonathan here to be your new lead pastor. But you know what He's calling you to? In your family, He's calling you to better places. More places of blessing, more places of territory. And in this church, He's a good God. He's doing this work to bless us. He's calling us to deeper blessing, deeper territory, that His hand might be upon us and that He would keep us from sin and evil. There have been some big moments in my life when I have kind of felt like I was like Peter standing there with my boat sitting behind me. I just thrown my net out. In my first moment with Jesus, I caught a bunch of fish. I realized this Jesus is the real deal. And I get my boat up to the side and he looks at me in the eyeballs and he says to me, if you come with me, I'll teach you how to fish for people. In that moment, I've got a decision to make. Do I stay with what I know? Do I stay with the familiar? Do I stay with everything that is here? Or do I do this crazy thing? Do I step out in faith and follow 
this radical rabbi. Man, I've had so many moments in my life like that. And can I tell you that I know a lot of people in this room have. You've been there, right? To leave everything you know and to step out into the unknown. But see, that's what it means to be a person of faith. That's what it means. And so I thought I'd close today with this scripture. And it's my question really to the church. Is, 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 it's do you see this? Do you feel this? Can you observe it? In the scripture it says this in Isaiah. This is the prophet. This is the word of God coming through the prophet. See, I am doing a new thing. Now, now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Here's the good news for you in this day. God's got a new thing for your family. He's got a new thing for your marriage. He's got a new thing for our church. He's got a new thing for your workplace. Would you join me in praying such a bold prayer as to ask for his blessing, ask for him to enlarge your territory, ask for his hand to rest on you with power, presence, and success, and to ask God, oh, put a hedge around me and don't let me sin and mess this whole thing up. Keep me from evil. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you that you're the God of new things. I thank you that you're always calling us to new places. And I pray, Lord, for every person in this crowd today who would pray that prayerful, bold prayer of Jabez. That you would bless them when they pray that prayer. That you would put your hand on them. That you would enlarge their territory. And that you would keep them from evil and sin. And Lord, I pray that over this church I pray that over this future that we have. I pray, God, your blessings and your favor. And Lord, <laughs> thank you for who you are. At the end of the day, this really comes down to a son or a daughter getting on their knees in front of, their, in front of you in your recliner and saying, oh, I just want your blessing. Oh, I just want your favor. And then for you to put your hand of blessing over us. Do it, God. Do it, we pray. And may we impact this decision, this prayer right now, may it impact generations to come. May it change family trees. May it do awesome things in the name of Jesus. Lord, in the next few minutes as we give to your kingdom work, we're reminded that you love so much that you gave. And we pray, God, that you would see us as great lovers and great givers. So, Lord, out of our overflow and out of all that you've blessed us with, because we are so rich, we give back to your kingdom gain. Take our gifts and multiply them for the kingdom of Jesus. And we pray in alignment with your, how you taught us to pray that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, bless this church. Bless our ministry and bless your kingdom expansion on this planet. Continue to do what you're doing, Jesus, through our gifts. We pray this in your most holy name. Amen.